Hello, everyone, and welcome to season two, episode two of The Council. I'm so happy to be here with this wonderful panel today. Let's introduce everyone. First up, Natalia. Hello, boys. We are down a few. Yeah, we're um, down a few, but we're, we're, we're mighty together. We're mighty. Small but mighty. Uh, Joseph. Hello. And Ben. Hi there. Yes, we may be s small in numbers, but we'll still have enough opinions to fill this hour. Um, <laughs> today, we, we will be reviewing and breaking down the first two episodes of the second season of The Mandalorian, talking about underrated holiday films and our favorite war films in honor of Veterans and Remembrance Day. Uh, a lot is in store for this episode, so please stay with us and enjoy. With that, let's just get right into it. The Mandalorian. Uh, it's, it's season two premiered last week, uh, to, depending on when you're uh, listening to this, on October 30th. Two weeks ago? Two weeks ago now, um, on October 30th, and it has since premiered a second episode on November 6th. Uh, we, who watched it out of the four of us? I did. I did. Joseph, Ben, I'm assuming, is protesting Disney+. Plus. Um, all right, so Joseph. I don't watch Star Wars. I don't watch Mando. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. So Joseph will break this down pretty quickly. You know, we want to touch on it. It's like the only new, is there any other TV shows that are releasing new episodes now? Like besides Netflix, which has like this dump of content? I don't think. Um, anyway, so Mandalorian season two, episodes one through two. Uh, this show, of course, is uh, was created by Jon Favreau and is uh, show run uh, by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. This uh, second season picks up uh, kind of where the first season left off. Mm -hmm. uh, spoilers, by the way, uh, potential spoilers for The Mandalorian. And technically, this is episodes nine and 10. They don't do uh, episode season two. Yeah, they do, uh, they do by chapters, which is interesting. Like Stranger Things does chapters, but they restart the number with each season. This is continuing. So we're, this is chapter nine, which is called The, the Marshal. And chapter 10, which is The Passenger. Um, let me open it up to Joseph first. What do you think of these two episodes? I enjoyed them. You know, I enjoyed both of them, even though both were a little too similar, in my opinion. Like, uh, it's all about uh, Mando going to uh, a planet to search for this uh, Mandalorian that he's searching for to find clues to where he needs to uh, take the child, aka Baby Yoda, uh, to. It's, it's basically Mando goes from point A to point B to point C. And so far, I'm liking it. Uh, the first one was directed by John Favreau. And the second one was directed by Peyton Reed, which oddly enough, they're both MCU directors. It's kind of it's kind of weird. Yeah, um, I agree with you. I think I enjoyed these two episodes. I definitely enjoyed the first, the pr season two premiere episode more than this past one, chapter 10. Right. Uh, I think uh, it, it came out to me with chapter 10, but I think it's something that this season seems to be following which is, it seems to be mirroring the first season and yeah. not in a more, not like it has a higher level to it in it's mirroring. Like the first episode of the whole show in season one, you have this you know side quest that ends with the reveal of this big character. Last year was the child, Baby Yoda. This time it was what we think is Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. um, the second episode starts with these people trying to get Baby Yoda and Mando coming out on top and ends with a montage of him fixing his ship 
um, because it was broken and then flying off at the end. So it, I, especially with chapter 10, the second episode, it feels very much like it's following the same beats from the first season, which I think is interesting. I'm wondering when that will end. Hopefully it does, because- Yeah, I agree. Like, I like the show, but I think that, you know, it, it was jarring watching the, the second episode and when they did the previously on The Mandalorian, the fact that the Boba Fett tease was not in there. And I was like, well, why? Why would you set that up and then not, you know, that got people excited. Um, I do think though that the chapter nine, the first episode of the season has been the best episode of the show so far, in my opinion. I think it balanced the Star Wars yes. lore, the, the action, the epic scale of the show, um, while also being, you know, it's, it's adventure of the week. It's, 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 it's episodic in nature. And I think it balanced all of its um, elements well. It's, Let's not forget Timothy Oliphant, uh, guest starred in episode nine. As, he was great. The, uh, he was very good. Was very, he was very good. <laughs> very happy with him. I think he did a great job. Uh, and yeah, and, and I think Peyton Reed, Peyton Reed did a fine job directing the episode. I think it came more down to John Favreau's writing. I think he just didn't have a lot mm -hmm. in this episode, which is fine. It's just that, you know, when you look at what you can do, which is what chapter nine was, to go to chapter 10, it's, it was just such a stark contrast. Right. <clears throat> Uh, Joseph, uh, were there any big scenes or big moments that really stuck out to you? I, I, your thoughts on the Boba Fett, if you think that's Boba Fett. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Will you continue? No, just what, what, were your, what were the big moments of the, the first episodes for you? Uh, the big moments for me, for, for both the episodes, were the climaxes, the action scenes. The first one was, you know, you got the Sand People and the villagers of Tatooine. Uh, against that giant worm, I forgot it, what they call it. Uh, the crate dragon. Called? The crate dragon. Thank you, the crate dragon. And then, of course, we had uh, this episode, last episode, with the sp uh, spiders and the, the giant spider and the baby spiders. I thought uh, th those were the highlights uh, for me. I don't know about you. Um, definitely. I, I thought the, the climax of the, the first episode, I really enjoyed, especially when the aspect ratio changed because I believe they shot it with IMAX cameras. I really enjoyed that. It reminded me of seeing Mission Impossible in theaters and when the aspect ratio changed, it's, you know, it's just, it's a fun thing that when used well can plus your action sequence. Uh, I really enjoyed, uh, again, the, the ties into Star Wars. I think that's something that's really great for Star Wars fans are the little touches here and there. Um, uh, very nice, Natalia. Um, you had me at mission. Um, funny story, I'm gonna come back to Mandalorian, but I think everybody here will like this. Uh, apparently on the first day of shooting Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, it, uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Tom Cruise jumped, it was, the, it was the stunt where they jumped off of the opera house and she has vertigo. She didn't know what she was getting into and I think she has vertigo. And she was, you know, she, it was completely crazy. She was cursing in Tom Cruise's face. She couldn't deal with it. And as soon as, as, soon as the jump happened, he walked up to her and said, welcome to welcome mission. Welcome to mission. <laughs> so good. Um, that's what that thing reminded me of. So anyway, back to the Mandalorian. Um, yeah, but it's cool, you know, using unused I, uh, creatures from the concept art from the original trilogy and putting them into this show, like with those spider creatures, you know, that's, 
it's a cool touch and I, I appreciate that. And I think visually this show is just astounding in what it's able to do. Oh yeah. So, and I'm looking forward. It's, I think even though chapter 10 was a little bit of a, like, why are we here? What's the point of this episode? I'm still looking forward to the rest of the season. I definitely think it'll pick up uh, story-wise. Yeah. And I also want to say Pedro Pascal, I think, is doing a great job in these oh, first yes. episodes. Joseph, what do you think? Yeah, Pedro Pascal, yeah, he rocks as the Mandalorian. I, I love him. From yeah. day one, I knew it was going to be good. Joseph, what do you think of Amy Sedaris in the show? It's a bit, she's been somewhat of a controversial character, not, not to the same level of controversy that Star Wars is used to. But Why is she controversial again? Amy Sedaris is the woman who is uh, on Tatooine. She is the uh, she's the junker that is has the big right. hair. Yeah. Uh, she's supposed to be a funny character because I don't really find her all that funny, but I think she she does uh, the, the role of her character. You know, it's it it does its job. She she does her job as as junker who you know like, like gets in parts and maybe like tells him where to go and stuff. Mm -hmm. And in episode ten, he, she she introduces him to the this frog mother who has to carry her, uh, her eggs uh, for her husband or whatnot. Yeah, which I just found a little, just watching Baby Yoda eat all those eggs, I was just like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it kind of reminded me of in Captain Marvel when you found out that Goose the Cat was how Nick Fury got the eye, the, right. had to get the eye patch, just like, it's like, there's a level, there's like, something has changed about my perception of this. Um, Baby Yoda eating those eggs was not a fan. Um, that being said, it's, he's still as charming as ever in the second season. Uh, Joseph, any other things you want to mention about these first two episodes? Um, I think we hit all the big stuff. You know, we hit Boba so, yeah. Were you a fan uh, of them bringing in Boba Fett? You know what? Yeah, I, I am. But I, I hope they have a storyline with them and not do like just a spin-off. Uh, uh, they think about doing a spin-off, either uh, a mini-series or a TV show. And I really hope they don't uh, uh, let go of that series for season two, because why would you bring Boba Fett here if you're not going to do anything with him? Yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, I think it's interesting. I think Star Wars might have, I really think The Mandalorian is a very good show and I enjoyed a lot. Um, but I think it's not to the level of a Game of Thrones, and I don't expect that it ever will be. I think that's no. kind of in its nature because it it's wants too to slow, a little slow. But I'm, you know, I'm thinking back, and you know, hindsight being 2020, you never know. But had they made Rogue One into a show, and like that, and you could have had the Mandalorian, you know, in that show. Of course, it wouldn't have been set post Return of the Jedi. But if you take because my thing is if they do a boba fett show i'm like well that's great but if you put it in the mandalorian then you make the mandalorian a better show because it has more substance and so i'm thinking like you know these spin-offs that they made rogue one and solo if they maybe found a way to work them into one big show maybe they could have had something that was on the level of a game of thrones where here you know we're talking about two episodes where the biggest thing that happens is a reveal that lasts five seconds on the screen Mm -hmm. um, but that, again, as, as I'm sure Joseph can attest to too, we're both looking forward to the future of this season, um, mm -hmm. possibly more reveals uh, and possibly less frog people. 
But remember, there's six episodes left. Six episodes left, yeah. Um, so we'll we'll see. You know, there's been a lot of rumors about cast members joining and characters maybe coming into the show. Right. So we'll see if they end I'm up still waiting for Rosaria Dawson as uh, Ahsoka Tano. Yes. That'll be that'll be exciting, and I'm sure then you know, you know, when we look back on the season, we're definitely going to be like, you know, this was such a great season, but that frog lady episode, it had. What, what? I liked her though. I you liked she the was... frog. I did like the frog, though. <laughs> it seemed a little too Guillermo del Toro for me. I don't know why. It felt like it. it felt like it should be in like Pan's Labyrinth instead of Star Wars. Maybe I just. I'm just glad they didn't kill her off. Though. That would be kind of dark. <laughs> that would have been dark, and this episode was dark enough. Um, anyway, uh, any last thoughts, Joseph, before we go to our next topic? Um, not even, I'm just looking forward to the rest of the this season. And season three, I think they're already filming. And off topic here, I'm also waiting for those damn Marvel shows. WandaVision, come on, hurry up. I think we're get. I think we'll get it on Christmas. I think because Man, right. Man finishes on December 18th, mm -hmm. um, which will be the five-year anniversary of The Force Awakens. Man has, nice, yeah. has time fly. flew, fly. I don't know. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> and then I think they'll wait a week, and then WandaVision will start. So it's okay. coming. They're coming. I mean, I think it was announced too. Uh, Loki uh, is already kind of greenlit for a season two. I think the rumor is so. Yeah. We'll get those Marvel shows eventually. Anthony, I think that one division could come out December thirty first. Yes. Because mm -hmm. Soul is on December twenty fifth. Yes, you're right, Ben. Ben, it's amazing. Ben has the most knowledgeable Disney Plus information. Um. Yes, Ben, you're absolutely right. That's probably true. That Soul will come out on Christmas and then WandaVision December 31st. Um, very good. All right. That wraps up our Mando recap and review. Um, we do Before we get on to our next topic, uh, we want to take a moment uh, to acknowledge the passing of Alex Trebek. Uh, that happened for us a couple of hours ago. And, it, you know, he's, he's been a staple of television for so long such a kind individual from interviews that you've seen, of course, knowledgeable and intelligent. And he definitely impacted a lot of people. Uh, Jeopardy has become such a, you know, I feel like everybody in the world, a lot of people know what Jeopardy is and he's, you know, the reason why. We are now gonna get into um, our next topic, which is, you know, the holidays are right around the corner. And even though the holiday season will probably be very, you know, different uh, for some people, depending on where you are around the globe amid this pandemic. Um, you know, things that never, uh, never stop from filling us with holiday joy are holiday films. And so, you know, you're, you know the classics, you know Elf, you know A Christmas Story, you know A Christmas Carol, you know all those. Uh, today, the panel will each be sharing uh, one of their own personal underrated holiday films. Uh, a film that maybe you haven't seen or maybe went under the radar that maybe you should revisit in this time when you need some holiday joy. So does anybody want to go first? Anybody? I'll go, I'll go first. Um, okay, uh, I'll go first, I'll get it out of the way while my panel gets ready. Um, my pick is a recent pick, it's from last year called Last Christmas. It was directed by Paul Feig. Um, 
Ben showing his favoritism for that pick. Um, this film starred Amelia Clark and Henry Golding and uh, Emma Thompson uh, and Michelle Yeoh. And it's a very charming film about yeah, Amelia Clark, uh, who plays this character who's you know down on her luck trying to discover herself. Um, and she meets uh, Henry Golden's character. And the two fall in love and they, you know, she's trying to, you know, figure out, you know, what she wants to do. It's just kind of having a quarter life crisis. And it's a very charming film. I was very surprised. I went in with such low expectations um, based on, you know, the-, the uh, yeah, This one got hated on by critics. I yeah, and I really, I, maybe I was just in the, the right place and I needed some happiness and this film gave it to me. It also just could because I find Amelia Clark so charming. And she was so good in the film. Oh, she's beautiful. Um, and it, it was a sweet movie. It's not, you know, don't take it seriously. It literally, the plot matches up to the lyrics of Last Christmas in a way that, you know, you kind of don't believe. But it's cute and it's charming. And it ends with Amelia Clark being wrapped in Christmas lights singing George Michael. So if you need something to cheer you up and also to make you laugh um, and also, you know, to make you feel a little bit, this is a nice one. Uh, that you should give a try to. It's from the director of Bridesmaids and uh, The Heat uh, and Spy with Melissa McCarthy. Uh, but this is definitely, it's, you know, not as raunchy as those films. It's, you know, it's sweet and it's fun and it, it captures, you know, doing- Paul Feig, by the way. Paul Feig. Um, it captures, you know, the doing nice things around the holidays. You know, it's, it's not all about you. You can do things to help others in need. And I just, I really like that message. So- Last Christmas is my pick for underrated holiday films. I believe it is streaming on HBO Max in the US. Um, not sure where it is streaming anywhere else, but uh, I'm sure you can rent it too for a cheap amount. So that's my pick. Uh, Natalia, you wanna go next? <laughs> Natalia is talking off screen. Uh, By the way, I love how you did not mention Ghostbusters. <laughs> Joseph, do you want to go? Wait, oh. wait, 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 wait. I'm here. I was talking to my mom. Yes, I was talking to my mom. Um, my choice, my underrated movie, Christmas movie, is obviously, you, I know you guys probably thought that I was kidding on the group chat, but I really do mean this. Um, Merry just, Christmas. Christmas Merry Christmas, Drake and Josh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not kidding um i this movie is so stupid but so good it's just full of nostalgia because drake and josh um first off that show was great um and that was a great movie i don't really remember it i remember bits and pieces of it um it's i just mainly remember helen screaming which is a beauty to behold um yeah just i don't really have that much to say about it um we're planning on watching it over time i guess um because hannah and i are starting to make a list of holiday movies to watch when was the last time you watched it honestly a couple honestly. of years ago i haven't really watched it like I haven't really like sat down to like watch it in completion um, mainly just because Hannah and I were like making this list and we're just like oh, 
Merry Christmas, Drake and Josh. And I was like, yes, perfect, because we haven't seen it in a while. Okay, do you want me to make a real choice up here? Do you want me I mean, to? That was as real a choice as I think we need, but if you want to give us another pick, go for it. <laughs> I'm just looking at this little list. Um, <gasps> Krampus. No, I don't know. Krampus was good. Krampus was good. Krampus has a great opening scene where everybody's rushing in the store on Black Friday. For that scene alone, yeah. that movie is great. It was such a good opening. Um, I remember watching it with Hannah and we were like kind of into it, kind of not really, because this was when we were like just still like dipping our toe into horror. Um, but we really did enjoy it a lot. So Krampus, yeah. yay. Krampus and Merry Christmas, Drake and Josh. You could not get <laughs> most opposite spectrum for um, holiday movies, but yeah, that was, that's my top two. <laughs> Very good. All right, Joseph or Ben, who wants to take it next? I can go. Go for it. Well, Last Christmas was my pick. Great movie. Please well, watch it. Everyone was... I thought you flipped them off because you didn't like it. That's what no, I. No, I loved it. <laughs> it was a great movie. I had a great time. Uh, I thought it was very good. The film I'm picking, I have an honorable mention and then I have a proper pick. So, Christmas with the Cranks gets a lot of hate. I know it's actually a very bad movie. Um, it's not the best. If you've seen it, you probably know that, but something about it just gets me. I don't know. This is uh, that's an Amy Curtis movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, not a great movie, but just something I like. Um, but my actual pick is an excellent Christmas horror film. I was gonna go with Black Christmas, but a lot of people know what Black Christmas is, so I am going with Better Watch Out from 2017. Have any of you seen this film? Haven't even heard of it, so please enlighten us. Okay, so this film stars the visit duo of Olivia de Jong and then the little kid who was in that movie. And it also stars Levy Miller, who was in Pan and A Wrinkle in Time. Another cast? Well, they're in it, but also Dacre Montgomery from Power Rangers and Stranger Things is in it too. There's a lot of really good... Oh, Patrick Warburton's in it too. Patrick the, Warburton's in it. The kid is Ed Oxenbold. Ed Oxenbold. And yeah, he's 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 it. excellent. Um, but this film is pretty standard. Uh, babysitters babysitting this kid. Strange things start happening. Uh, home invasion type thing. Maybe, maybe not. Some twists start happening. Maybe, maybe not. We don't know. And then shit goes down, and it's scary. It's Christmassy. It's not really scary. It's more funny than anything, but it's also subversive. Don't see a single thing coming. It keeps you on your toes the entire time. And it's pretty damn Christmassy too. I would say it has, it's like a very, very, very low budget kind of Halloween type thing where Halloween, but with a twist that will give away. It's worth watching for the amazing twist. So better watch out from 2017. I highly recommend you watch it. Great kills. And do you want to take a minute to talk about last Christmas? I don't, I don't want to deprive you of that. <laughs> It's a great movie that more people need to watch. Um, what I really liked about it was, um, I don't know, there was just, I thought it was really well written. I know a lot of people said it's a knockoff of Fleabag. Well, I really like Fleabag, you know. Um, 
I thought everyone was good. I thought it was funny enough. That was Christmassy enough. Um, it felt sweeter great. than Fleet. Like I feel mm. Fleabag has an edge. That this movie, I feel like it's it's kind of it's the Fleabag humor, but in a charming, sweeter sense. And maybe that's because of, of Amelia Clark at the lead. Yeah, pretty much. Soundtrack is great too. Amazing. I love the final with Amelia Clark singing Last Christmas at the very end. It's amazing. It's worth it for that. So yeah, watch Last Christmas and better watch out. You can skip Christmas with the cranks. <laughs> Which again, um, better watch out and Last Christmas could not be further apart. Different. More different. Uh, Natalia wants to remind everybody that Tony Collette was in Krampus, which is true. So was Adam Scott. Um, he was in that. Um, and I think uh, the, if you've seen Chef with John Favreau, the kid who plays his son, MJ Anthony, uh, he's also in that. It's, it's a, Krampus is a, if you're in, I feel like we're covering a lot of Christmas horror. And if you're in the, the mood for that, here, those are two that are very, very good. Uh, Joseph, that leaves you. What do you got for us? So I got a movie that I think maybe none of you maybe saw. Uh, it came in 1988. It stars Bill Murray. It's called Scrooged. Scrooge. Nobody seen that movie? It's a great movie. It's uh, basically a parody of uh, A Christmas Carol uh, with Michael Keaton. Oh, not Michael Keaton. <laughs> uh, Bill Murray. What am I saying? <clears throat> uh, <laughs> and yeah, that's basically it. The, uh, the ghost of Christmas past comes in. He's like a taxi driver. And the ghost of Christmas present comes in. She's like uh, this fairy and <laughs> keeps hitting him. That's, I found that hilarious. And of course, the ghost of uh, Christmas yet to come. I, I really, like, that's probably the funniest uh, Christmas movie I've seen. I, I find a time to watch it every year, ever since I got uh, introduced to it. Also, I have an honorable mention. <laughs> What's your honorable mention? So, uh, you guys watched the Santa Claus trilogy with the Tim Allen? Mm, I feel like I feel like I've they've been playing and I've been in front of a TV, but I wouldn't say I watched them. <laughs> I think the best one is part two because that's the one where he's looking for Mrs. Claus. To me, I think that's the best one of the three. Yeah, I feel. I mean, nostalgia-wise, I feel like a lot of people would say one, but two definitely. I remember always seeing the trailer for Santa Claus two on like Finding Nemo, my Finding Nemo DVD. Right, yeah, that's why I remember it the most. Yeah, um, yeah it's the Santa Claus trilogy. The trilogy that made all kids everywhere not know how to spell Santa Claus. <laughs> right, they spell it with an E. Add the E at the end. Um, I think- that, Honestly, that's how I thought it was spelled until I was yeah, corrected. Well, I mean, you watch Finding Nemo, you see the Santa Claus with an E, there's, you know, we don't, we're not smart enough to know, oh, it's a joke because it's a clause. It's a clause. Contract. Yeah. You, you definitely know that they thought of the title first and then they were like, all right, let's make a movie about this. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. Anyway, uh, one other uh, thing, because I want to pick, I just want to give a non-Christmas option to our holiday picks. Um, uh, there's a movie called Home for the Holidays, which stars Holly Hunter and Robert Downey Jr. It's a Thanksgiving film. And oh. you know, it's basically, it's a very, it's a small, nice comedy. It has a little bit of an edge and it's about this family coming together for Thanksgiving. And of course, you know, things go awry amid the craziness of the family coming together for the holidays. Um, it's a very funny film. 
but again, it has its it has its its its, its hidden heart. Um, and uh, just if you're don't celebrate Christmas, there's one for you um, to get you into the spirit. Uh, home for the holidays. All right. Uh, it's funny that sounds like a Christmas movie, but it's a Thanksgiving movie. I believe it's a Thanksgiving. I'm gonna check that. I believe it's Thanksgiving. Um, I think because there are Thanksgiving movies. I'm. I think they called it Home for the Holidays because of the song. Um, let me check. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Oh wow. Um, yeah, it has um, Holly Hunter, Robert Downey Jr., and Bancraft, uh, and Bancroft, uh, Dylan McDermott, Geraldine Chaplin, um, and David Strathairn, Claire Danes, uh, and it was directed by Jodie Foster. Um, yeah, it came out in 1995. It's a it's a sweet little movie. Um, uh, and something I've noticed: a lot of Christmas movies get mixed reviews. A lot of holiday movies don't get really well reviewed. Like Home Alone is rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh yeah, and The Grinch. Jim Carrey's The Grinch. So wait, what's Jim Carrey at? Jim Carrey's I think is at fifty. <gasps> Blasphemy. What? Fifty. Let's. It came in two thousand. Yeah, the one in 2000 got um, 49%. Oh, no. And it has a 56% from audiences. That I don't <gasps> That. <laughs> That's so sad. Almost everyone I know loves that movie. Um, Home Alone now currently has 65%. I think that's because new critics have gone in and reviewed it. Oh, that's a classic. I mean, okay. Who doesn't love Home Alone? Um, do you know what the highest... I'm going to quiz everybody. Do you know what the highest rated Christmas film is on Rotten Tomatoes. Hmm. Anybody have a guess? Polar Express. Unlikely, but returns. I do love Polar Express. <laughs> I'm going to guess uh, Miracle on 34th Street. The very first one. The oldest one. Alright, let's see. Uh, the top, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the number one Christmas film is scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, uh, oh. Um, wow. Your Miracle on 34th Street was number three. Number two was a Charlie Brown Christmas. Um, what was, they considered Little Women 2019 a Christmas movie. I mean, I guess. Come on. Yeah, and they consider Carol with Kate Blanchett and Rooney Mara a Christmas movie. Everyone um, does. Um. I mean, I guess if Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Uh, Did they count Shazam? Because <laughs> that's a Christmas Jaws, movie. Man. Uh, ben, what was your pick? Batman Returns. Batman, Batman Returns. Uh, that's number 32 on their list. Mine was uh, Polar Express. Oh, I actually, I actually got a wrong score. Pick. Polar the Nutcracker Polar. and the Four Realms. Yeah. Have, uh, has anyone seen that? Polar Express is wrong. Polar Express is wrong? Polar is, it because, is it because of the animation? Yes, which... Honestly, just get over it. It's a beautiful story. I thought they made it. They grew the book very well. Um, and Tom Hanks is everywhere. Who doesn't love Tom Hanks? 56% for the Polar Express. Okay. Man of Steel. Ben, well, what were you saying before? Nutcracker in the Four Realms is decent. Okay. You're entitled to that opinion. Hmm. <laughs> the 2018 me. Grinch is decent. Ugh. With Benny C. That nutcracker. Listen, I don't no. know what you know what it is. 
I saw the Nutcracker in the Four Realms right after I got my braces off. So I was just a lot in pain and that movie did not help. Maybe that's why. Like I remember hating the Angry Birds movie because I had this awful stomach ache and that really took over the movie. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what, like I love Kira Knightley. I have no idea what the hell she was doing at the end of the movie. Um, but it was fine. It was okay. It was colorful. It was pretty. <laughs> uh, Wait, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms was directed by the same director as Captain America, the first Avenger. Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Actually, originally it was Lassie Hellstrom, but they both, he, Joe Johnson reshot with Lassie Hellstrom, didn't he? You can kind of tell with the third act, completely different movies. And, yeah, uh, I think it's still got the richest credit or something. Probably, yeah, both did. Joe Johnson, he's had such an interesting career. He started with the art department. He was like one of the big art department minds of the original Star Wars. And then he and did um, and then he did Captain America: The First Avenger, which I think is his best film. So he's had an interesting career. Um, all right, we've completely digressed. Let's get back on topic with our last topic of the day, which, in honor of Veterans and Remembrance Day, um, we are going to be talking about our favorite war films or war-centric films. Uh, so these don't have to necessarily be, you know, we're in the midst of battle films. They could be films set during wartime. Uh, just to, you know, give uh, uh, a chance for us to honor those who have fallen. Um, I don't know about the rest of you. My grandfather served, so, you know, something we, in our family, we have pride with. He is laid to rest in a um, military uh, cemetery, so um, this, you know, it's a, it's a special time to always celebrate our people who have sacrificed so much for our individual countries. So that being said, uh, why don't we work backwards? Why don't Joseph, you start us off uh, with this topic? Well, I hope you're very proud of your grandfather, first of all. Me personally, I've never had anyone uh, in the military. Well, uh, one of my friends is, in, is a Marine, so, and he's coming home. So that's good. <clears throat> very cool. So uh, for my pick for a favorite war film, only because this was the last movie I saw. I, in theaters before this pandemic happened, 1917. I love this film. Very uh, gimmicky the, with the whole uh, shot in one shot. But uh, what really uh, impressed me was like the story, like between these two, these two uh, soldiers, uh, these two British soldiers. Ah, I can say it. soldiers, <laughs> uh, and how one has to get to his brother in order to to stop. Uh, like millions of soldiers going to a trap. But this was in World War I uh, movie, and it's about the British uh, soldiers, not, not the Americans. So I don't know if I should, should that count? Or? Yeah, that counts. I mean, um, it's Veterans Day in the US, I believe in Canada, it's Remembrance Day. Um, and I'm not sure whether the countries, whether they celebrate it now. Um, but yeah, of course. It's a, it's, it was a really great war film. Um, and it's like, you go in expecting to be like, oh, this is gonna be a gimmick. And I, when I saw it, and I, I saw it a couple times, I just found myself lost like in the story that I, I completely forgot. Like I would have to be like, wait a second, how did we get here? How is this still one shot? Because I was so immersed in the story and stuff. Right, and it's not all done in one shot. There was like two, two uh, takes, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's, there's probably a, a hundred takes. It's just they stitch them together. I mean, yeah, edits is what I meant to say. There is one. I forget. I Cut. think it's. 
I think it's he goes to sleep, which is how we get from daytime to nighttime. Yeah, that's the first cut. That's the only visible cut in the film. Um, but yeah, that's a great pick, Joseph. Um, Ben's camera is off, so I'm going to go to Natalia. Are you ready? Yes. Hello. Um, What's your pick? My pick is, let me try and actually find my notes because I watched this in film class. Paths of Glory. Yeah, have you guys seen it? Please tell me that you have. It's quite I good. Have. I it, saw it in high school history class. I saw it in high school in English class. Oh, wow. <laughs> there we go. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? That's the Denzel Matthew Broderick. Okay. Uh, okay, I got it. Wait, Joseph, what'd you, what'd you say there? It stars Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick. Is that the one you're picking? No, I, I'm picking the Kubrick one. The Kirk Douglas one, right? Yeah. There's right. another glory? Well, yeah. the original glory. Oh, no, you're... Oh, you're I'm doing Paths of Glory. Paths of Glory. Oh, not, not, I didn't not, hear not, that. No, sorry. Okay, then I've never seen that one. I saw oh, Glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm doing Paths of Glory, the Kubrick one. Um, as you all know, I'm very anti-war. Um, and so it was Kubrick. Um, which is why this film was made. Um, I really like this film. It's a very strategic um, militant look um, and film. Uh, I really like, it's in, it's in black and white, by the way. Um, I'm like reading my notes that I've done, that I did this in like February of last year. I mean, real women, da -da -da -da. It's it's such a it's such a like fun I guess commentary on it. Um, there's a mention of shell shock and they're like there's no such thing. And it's like a little thing that you would laugh at. Um, there's a lot of repetition, a lot of great like tete a tetes and everything. It's an amazing film. I I really liked it a lot. Um, I I don't know. I I I think I liked it because. It was so like introspective. Like you never, you use, when you think of war films, you never think of the, um, the treaties and the paperwork and all that jazz. You think of the pew 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 and all that and casualties. And this is a response to many a casualty. And uh, I believe it's supposed to be an execution. Um, of these more criminals in France. Again, I haven't seen this in like a year. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. It's a slow, slow film, but, and you really do have to stick with it and you really have to listen, but I really loved it. And I didn't think that I would, cause I don't, I love Kubrick every now and then. Um, and I'm not a huge war film person because I can sometimes, it can become very repetitive, but I really like this one from what it isn't. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, it's, it has such a strong soul, that film. And if it, in my opinion, it's probably my favorite Kirk Douglas performance. Um, Michael Douglas's father, of course, who I think passed away last year. Um, yeah. One of the finest performances. He was and also, years old. Yeah. 
Uh, he lived a long and historic life. Um, and also, as Natalia said, if you stick with it, it's a great film. But I will, I will say that the ending of the film, the last scene, is one of the greatest final scenes in cinematic history. It is so well done, so brilliant. Um, one of Kubrick's lesser known. Um, it's, 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 it's a quieter film of, of his, but it's definitely a brilliant one nonetheless. Uh, Perez Natalia didn't pick uh, the other Kubrick four film, the stars, one of her favorite actors, Vincent D'Onofrio. I was going, to, I've talked about this a lot actually in my personal life. Um, talked a lot about Full Metal Jacket. I talked a lot during that class when, because we did screen it after Pads of Glory. Um, and I, I forgot how like monotonous that film was. It was supposed to be like, a, it's a very like, like you're really drudging along with these people. I'm sorry that I'm talking about two films, um, but I did see these back to back, um, so. Yeah, I, I forgot how like long it was. Like I, I forgot like how um, you go from one scene and it's just a lot of like walking and large action set pieces. And you're like, ah, oh, you have like this great sense of finality. And then it, you just keep on going. I love it because it just feels like an amazing commentary on war, on the, um, the kind of like monotonous recycling of a human um, that our country is so very good at doing. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I really, I love both of those films, but I, I, I did want to shine a bit more of a spotlight on Pads of Glory because it is so different from traditional war films. Lesser known, yeah, I'm, I love that pick. Um, and Joseph, you were surprised that she, Natalia didn't pick that film. I, I, there's a part of me that's surprised you didn't go with Captain America Civil War. If I'm being perfectly honest. I was going to Captain America. What, Joseph, you went out for a second. <laughs> if I was going to choose any Captain America movie, it would have been the first adventure, because that's more of a World War movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, listen, it's a good trilogy. Um, yeah, and I think that's interesting, you know, how the war film has, you know, grown, that you can get, you know, movies today made like 1917 but also have wonder woman and they are the same oh, yeah. they're the same war right wonder woman was world war yeah, one world war one yeah so it's you know it's interesting you know seeing modern filmmakers approach the same period of time in such different ways uh so paths of glory and paths of glory ben has been patiently waiting to share his picks so i will let him go without any further delay well, I'm sure a lot of you thought I would have picked Wonder Woman, which in my opinion is the best superhero film, but I'm not. Because like Natalia, I am also very, very anti-war. But if there's one thing that I'm more anti-war, I'm very pro-killing Nazis. So Inglorious Bastards is my pick, which is a very, very amazing film. What I like about this movie is that it kind of puts you in this European setting and it makes you truly feel tired, you know, like you're, you've, it feels like you've been through this war. It feels like you have, you've been living in it with this really thick fog of, you know, hate and all this stuff on top of you, particularly with Melanie Laurent's character. And by the end of the film, it's like, you know, all this, like a battle has been won, good is restored, even though Melanie Laurent's character died, which made me very sad. 
but she was still great. This movie's amazing. Quentin Tarantino, it's my favorite Tarantino film except for Kill Bill Volume 1. They're kind of tied for me. But overall... You don't guys, think one film, Kill Bill? You see them as two distinct films? They're not one film. If they're one film, then it's probably the worst. Really? You hate I Volume hate, 2? I hate Volume 2, yeah. Very interesting. Tarantino counts as one because technically they've been 10 films. He, I think he counts it as one film just so he can stick to his 10 film rule. Mm. He'll make one more. Like, if he was happy with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood being his final film, which honestly, like, I would have been fine with, like, he, Kill Bill would be. He good. can't go out on that low of a note. Oh, no. I love it. Like- I feel like I'm alone. I love Once Upon a Time. Me and Chris Stuckman. What? Yeah. I like it. No. I enjoyed it. Oh. Well, at first, I, I, the first thing, I wasn't so into it, but as I, as I watched it more and more, I kind of started to love it more. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The first few weeks, I loved. I loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The first time I saw it. The second time, I would have rather watched Kill Bill Volume Two. I watched it with my dad, who's a great. He's a big Tarantino fan. Um, He likes a lot of the like pew pew. Um, He was not (laughs) into that movie at all. He was was thoroughly disappointed. Um, Yeah. I I think this is just me. I, I think Inglorious Bastards, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Pulp Fiction, that would probably be my top three of his. I, I really like that film. But I'm. Mine's, mine's Pulp Fiction, Fiction Django Unchained. Django's also very good. I, I, so, what do we think? And then we'll get back to Beth Stick with Inglorious Bastards. Do we like Tarantino's early work or do we like his later work? So, I would say, do we like the period pre Inglorious Bastards or post Inglorious Bastards? Pre. Pre. Although I do love the Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight was good. I like, I like the Hateful Eight. I like the Hateful Eight. Um, did we all, I, I remember going to see it in the 70 millimeter um, and they gave you the booklet and everything. He's, it's great. I'm very, no matter, I think no matter what we thought of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, I think we're all anticipating what his final film will be. Um, Me very much less so. Not he's really. probably gonna make it like in a couple of years. He's waiting for like. He right better wait a while. He's already like a Trek film. Then how would you, how would you feel about that? What? He rumored that he might do a Star Trek film. I hate Star Trek. That. I I don't care. I'd like to I'd like to see a Kill Bill Volume Three, and so that I wouldn't have the sour taste in my mouth of Kill Bill Volume Two. That'd be great. I don't see him do uh, MCU movie. <laughs> That's not gonna happen. This is the thing. Wait, did Joseph? Did you just pitch him doing an MCU movie? Yeah. He'd way better be suited for DC. Yeah. Probably, See, yeah. Const- right. He could do a Constantine movie really well. <gasps> I think, Ooh. You know, like, if James Gunn hadn't gotten the job, I think Tarantino would have done a great job with the Suicide Squad. The- mm. he, has, he hasn't bought my superhero movies yet. He's one of the ones that has not had often. Because well, he doesn't. Maybe, maybe I'm not aware of it. No, he hasn't. He hasn't done. I mean, because he he kind of he did stuff within that genre. I mean, Pulp Fiction, you know, it's you know, it's literally in the title. Like that's the yeah. Title. But so has uh, uh what's his name, the, uh, Ridley Scott, and yet he shits on them a lot. Well, oh, sorry about. That. What are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, but so back to Glorious Bastards. Anything else, Ben? Would you like to say about the film? It's amazing, masterpiece. <laughs> Good ending, right? Mm. Um, what is what is the line at the end? I think this might be my masterpiece. Yes. Anyways, we hate war. Stan Tulsi Gabbard. Bye bye. 
<laughs> oh my god. Um, all right, I'll give my pick. Uh, but I picked last Christmas was 2019. I'm going with another 2019 film. Uh, this time, Jojo Rabbit. Um, I fell in love with this movie like last Christmas. I forgot about that film. Oh. <laughs> Um, like Last Christmas, but a little bit less so. Um, I was surprised with this film. This film just came out of nowhere. Um, and really just, it. I laughed so much, yet I, and I cried a lot. I hadn't cried that much in a movie probably since Avengers Endgame a couple months before. Um, it was just, it was beautiful. It was charming. It was funny. It walked its the, the balance so um well um we're gonna wrap up within the just to give everybody a heads up we're gonna wrap up in two minutes so ben um it's very late for ben so we're gonna wrap up really quickly um i'll make this quick though jojo rabbit it's a great film incredible cast taika waititi is brilliant so happy that he won the oscar for it and scarlett johansson just gives one of the greatest performances i've ever seen it's so endearing so wonderful so powerful and intimate and I think it captures the war setting, you know, it captures this different side of the war that we maybe don't usually get to see in stories that I, I really appreciated Taika Waititi taking the risk, doing it and succeeding so well. Um, any other thoughts before we wrap up and Ben can get to sleep because he deserves some sleep. <laughs> I agree with you on Jojo Rabbit. I love Jojo Rabbit. I don't know why he gets to hate, tell me hate. I don't get it. It's I'm glad fun. you got something from that movie. <laughs> I feel like, I, I gotta say, we didn't plan this, but when we started the council, it it felt, it's so great that we are all so differently minded, because I feel like if, had we all agreed on everything, this would have been a very boring podcast, like, especially the two, three now uh, panel members that are not here, um, we, we cover a lot of different ground, and it makes this show great. Um, that being said, thank you everybody for listening, this was an incredible uh, episode. We talked about so many things. We gave you some cool, underrated, underseen films um, that maybe you can go check out now. Uh, that does it for us this week on the Council. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, to watch a uh, video version of the reviews, be sure to subscribe to youtube.com slash lover. Uh, that's spelled D-A, movie lover. And follow us on Twitter at the Council Pod and Instagram at the underscore Council Pod uh, to stay updated. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you to my fellow panel members. Uh, this was a fun episode. Um, uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye. everybody. Bye.